Welcome to Tools of Ignorance. I'm Zach with Dylan. Dylan, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it'd be better if it wasn't negative 25 real feel, but you know, we're, we're Midwest, uh, we're Midwesterners. So, holy cow, I don't remember a winter that's been this cold for this long. Man, how about it, you? It is. It has been super brutal. Like I remember when about when we were in high school in the 2010 area that, you know, I felt like we got heavier snow, but I never felt like we got this, this cold of cold. Agreed. Agreed. I remember in college one time we had the snowpocalypse. I think that was right <laughs> in the middle of February. We had like three snow days in a row or something like that. So that was pretty cool, but they don't cancel school for cold very often. So <laughs> needs to warm up. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so we got a couple things on the pod today. Uh, we'll just briefly talk about a few current events that are going on. And we're going to spend some time on our top five sports movies. Each of us will go back and forth with that. Um, and then we'll start a little bit of our baseball preview. We've got the AL Central on tap tonight. We'll do a, a division per podcast and uh, bring us up to baseball season. Because believe it or not, when it's zero degrees outside – Spring training is only a few weeks away. So, Dylan, you wanted to talk about the Daytona 500. I know absolutely nothing about NASCAR besides <laughs> Jeff Gordon used to drive number 24. What do you got for us? Hey, man, first off, we'll give the shout out to my family, which is why I'm even into racing in the slightest <laughs> bit. Uh, Cole Stick to Racing out in Denver, Jason Pershey <laughs> Racing down in uh, the Quad Cities, and also Dave Stickter, my father. Uh, racing in the quad cities but the daytona 500 uh originally got intrigued by it because of betting uh go figure <laughs> and then i was like you know what like the storylines coming up to it uh some new new news popping out like i just got really into it so this race was filled with long rain delay and multiple <laughs> wrecks the big story was whether denny hamlin was going to win his third straight daytona 500 which has never happened he did end up getting fifth after leading 98 laps out of the 200. Um, kind of talking about the Daytona 500, they they break up the race into three stages. The first stage lap is 1 through 65. Stage 2 is 66 through 130. And stage 3 is 131 through 200. So I personally don't like how they stage it up. I wish they would just do the 200. But who am I to say uh, what goes on with this Daytona 500? So how do those uh, stages work? Do they, do they take a break after each stage? So yeah, they, they take a break after each one. You have a certain amount of time to fix your car. And so like if your car is damaged and it can't reach a certain speed or maintain a certain speed for a couple laps, like they DQ you and you're out. So it's a way to kind of eliminate cars that shouldn't be out there. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a little, it's a little different um than what you would think of racing um but yeah it's denny hamlin had won the first stage and the second stage ends up getting fifth um it it was just a really weird night daytona 500 i was talking to my father about it the day daytona is a really weird race every single year mm -hmm. the thing that again makes me really tied to it is there's guys like the Saints running back, Alvin Kamara, a guy named Tim the Tapman, who's known for content, content creation with Warzone, and Luke Combs. Like, they're all there. They're all sending their Instagram pictures. So I feel like the sport is growing, especially when you have a guy like Michael Jordan, who now owns a team in a race car with Bubba oh. Wallace driving for him. But in the end, 
Michael McDowell wins his first ever race at Daytona on a really weird night. And here's just a crazy stat for you, Zach, that, uh, that even, yeah, you know, you're a statistical guy. Michael McDowell was zero and three hundred in 357 races across his 13 cup series seasons. He only has just three top five finishes in more than a decade of his career. So it's a good time for him to win his first race in 357 races that he is suited up for. Wow. I bet someone yeah. somewhere bet on that and uh, <laughs> he's having a really good day today. So it's, this is another funny stat that I have. They tweeted it out. Seven people bet on him to win the race. Okay. Seven. So, a yeah. total of seven. Yeah. So Michael McDowell got first. Chase Elliott got second. Austin Dillon got third. Kevin Harvick got fourth. And Denny Hamlin got fifth. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch, in my opinion. The next race is Sunday. The O'Reilly's Auto Parts 253 at Daytona. So is it the same racetrack? It's the same racetrack, but it's going to be uh, like a 70 lap. Um, it's more of like a, a circuit race, like, or not circuit race, uh, like, a, sprint? like a, a road race. So it's going to oh, be okay. instead of like the big oval, it's going to be like, a, I don't want to say. They go through the infield? The yeah. So it's like, a, it's almost like a go-kart track is what it looks like. I'm personally okay. not too fond of it. I, I like the bigger tracks, but yeah. again, who am I to... Uh, change the sport <laughs> yeah. well here's something you might not know about me in college i actually had an internship with a nascar team and so i said i know next i know i know next to nothing about nascar i know a little <laughs> bit about nascar and how it operates um but bradley university where i went um i don't know why or how but they had their logo put on a race car and <laughs> so i was part of the sports communication program in my junior year i think so um, I was getting more advanced. And so they had uh, people um, volunteer slash interview for this chance to, to go experience this, um, this race, and then kind of see if you could work for the company um, or the, the, the NASCAR team. So um, Josh Wise and Max Q Motorsports um, were a start and park. So if you don't know what a start and park is, all of you out there listening to this, um, some teams can't afford to run their car through a whole entire race, like 500 miles, right? That's what they, that's what the mm -hmm. 500 in Daytona is, right? Yep. And so these teams will, will uh, run their car for like 40, 50, 60 laps um, to make the minimum and get a little payday from that. And so you kind of get exposure, your driver gets experience and your, your ad revenue, um, from, from what's on the car gets out there a little bit. So it was a really cool opportunity. They were doing, I don't remember what the race was called, but at Chicagoland speedway. So, um, myself and I think three other interns, I guess we'll call us went up to Chicagoland with, with the team and actually got to spend the day like on pit road, taking pictures, um, talking to people. Um, and so we did everything, uh, on the infield. Like we walked around, did like the pre-race prayer service in the tent on, on pit row, right behind pit road with all the stars. Jeff Gordon was in there, Jimmy Johnson, the big names, um, a couple of years ago. And so 
that was kind of cool. It was a, I completely had forgotten about it until now. Um, it's not like a <laughs> main part of my life, but it was a really cool experience to be able to do that. Um, and just, you know, you had to wear headphones or uh, what do you call them? Earplugs the whole time down mm-hmm. on pit road because the cars are so loud. They just rip around that racetrack. Um, and there's always people going 100 miles an hour, pardon the pun, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, in, in on race day. So it was super cool, really neat experience. So anything else racing you want to talk about? Oh, we're good to move on. We having some technical difficulties here? Oh, we we got. Okay, I'm here now. Hey, we're good. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're. All right, but I no. guess uh, let's let's move on. Just a couple more intro things here. JJ Watt was requested his release from the Houston Texans this week. Um, where do you think he's going to land? So I've put a lot of thought into where he could possibly want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the the obvious one would be Pittsburgh Steelers pairing back up with or pairing up with his brothers. That would be cool to see. Um, I could guess the Packers uh, going back to you know where he went to college. And I th- that's Fingers where he grew crossed. up as well, right? <laughs> and then uh, the last one would be Chicago. So the Chicago one just is tied to his wife as a professional athlete, and she plays out of Chicago. So there's kind of those ties where if you got to choose to go anywhere, you could choose to, you know, go where your wife's at, go to your hometown or go to where your brothers are at. So those are my three guesses. I think his family still lives in Wisconsin. So I'm really pulling hard for him to end up in green Bay. That would be a good show of faith by the front office to go out and get JJ Watt for the next, hopefully super bowl run. Yeah, he'd be a, he'd be a really good piece to add to that defense. I have seen Chicago a little bit too, and I think that would make sense for him. Um, I don't know how the Packers or the Bears would really make room money wise for him, but they always find a way. I think they restructured Bakhtiari's contract to mm-hmm. uh, give him about eight extra million dollars this year. Uh, my friend yeah. Tony was telling me about that a couple of days ago. So you got to get creative if you're a if you're an NFL front office. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. All right, final little intro thing here. We've got LeBron's flop. Did you see the king himself uh, put on a magnificent magnificent acting job the other night? He's been doing that his whole career. I, I won't take away it won't take away from the greatness that obviously he's a top three to ever play the game. But man, is it hard to watch one of the best athletes gifted uh, body styles to ever play the game just fall down so effortlessly to you know a possible six one point guard so yes i saw it i also saw him take the three-step travel dunk right before halftime <laughs> man he can he can do some silly things he can and i mean that's why would he stop because he gets rewarded for it but it is frustrating to see him do it because then you know, players at the college level will start to do it. And then players at the high school level and they'll realize or start to think like, Oh, that's okay. The best player in the world does it. I can, I should probably do it too. I should probably follow him, but um, it's yeah, of course he's the best player in the (laughs) league at the moment and he does a great job, but it was, it did make for some, some interesting, uh, 
sports talk fodder. So yeah, one of our, uh, actually warning. one of our, one of our Guilford kids uh, got a technical foul from flopping. Huh? Or, yeah, it was, no, it was, uh, it was our buddy. It was our buddy, Nate. It, uh, he, uh, one of his kids got a technical for flopping, not even in the IHSA rules or any rules at all. But wow. yeah, one, one of his athletes got a technical for it. Well, how about that? Thanks, LeBron. <laughs> Thanks, LeBron. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's transition now into our top five sports movies. Um, so Dylan and I each picked five sports movies that, you know, I don't know that we had a criteria necessarily. I picked a couple movies that are more recent and a couple that I grew up with. And I kind of based my favorites on how how much like I remember it, how much uh, it impacted me when I watched it as well as um, the rewatchability. So both of those were factors for me. Um, You know, there's probably going to be a couple on here that people are not like, Oh, that's not a classic, but you know, that's all right. So how about let's bounce back and forth. um, Start with five and work our way up to one. Yeah. That's cool with me. All right. You lead it off. All right, so my fifth one, I put down Moneyball. I felt like it's a movie that, obviously, it's a true story. And it's just really cool to kind of see the business aspect, to see the statistical analysis, and to see the growth from a terrible organization to a competing organization without the big-time money. I don't even have to speak more on it because that's, I mean, it's just a top-notch movie that, if it's on Netflix, if it's on TBS, I will watch it. Man, right out of the gate, stealing <laughs> my number one. I thought this might happen. Um, yeah, Moneyball was right up at the top of my list. Um, the reason for me is it's everything. I mean, I love baseball for a lot of reasons, but the fact that it's baseball, the fact that it's an underdog story, right? But also, one of the things I've loved most about baseball is that the little guy can win. You don't have to be six foot eight. You don't have to be 300 pounds. You don't have to have the, all the physical tools to be able to succeed. And so um, someone, a team taking advantage of that um, is a really, really cool concept. And I just, I love watching it. The acting is great. I love Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt's fantastic. Um, Chris Pratt is in it which is crazy yeah. to me. <laughs> I, I think I just texted you that like a month ago when I watched the movie that I didn't even realize he was in the movie. Yeah. He plays now. Scott Hatterberg of all people. <laughs> and uh, the guy who plays Ron Washington says, uh, or th- my favorite moment is um, about them talking about first base. How hard is it to play first base wash? It's incredibly hard. <laughs> so um, yeah, all around good. And the final quote how can you be how can you not be romantic about baseball uh it's an absolute must watch even if you're not really a sports fan like this movie will will hook you in too it's it's yeah and it's 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 got that feel too like uh and i hope i don't expose one of your movies but draft day Mm -hmm. except moneyball was made off of a true story and it was so much more real feeling than draft day i'm not a fan of draft day um, dang well let's but, jump into draft day right now because yeah. it's five yeah. on my list <laughs> um, <laughs> you said you weren't a fan but the the reason i like it you know 
one of the biggest things that we're excited about in the next couple months is the NFL draft. And so the, the best possible thing would be a documentary all about an NFL team's draft day, which would be super cool. Um, the next best thing is for people to make it up. Is it a little far-fetched how everything goes down? Totally. Um, but do they make it interesting and all at the same time? I, I think so. I think what adds to the immersion is they use the real teams and, mm-hmm. and things like that. There were some things that I, I didn't love about it, but overall um, it's a really interesting movie and a great, great attempt to really build a story around how the draft works in a nice two hour package. Yeah. And both of those movies are the business side. So it's more like, it's more than just a sports movie. You know, it, it gives you that insight or it gives you kind of that little feel about what goes on. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's cool about draft day as well that they actually had uh, Arian Foster, who was the running back for the Texans at the time. Like he played a role in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, like Kevin Costner is obviously one of the top actors. And so it is it is a good movie. I just didn't say that it was like on my top five. What, maybe top what don't you like about it? What puts you what puts it down? The, for the, the only thing that trips me up on it is like the unrealistic like how it all worked out he Mm -hmm. you know like the trading like it just didn't seem like that would happen in real life who knows it could but it just it seemed a little far-fetched for that the ending i guess that's the thing about like playing sports video games or watching sports movies that would never happen in real life well there's some crazy dang things that happen in real life (laughs) that we wouldn't believe if it was written so Right. Um, I choose to suspend my disbelief and, uh, and just enjoy the show. All right. What's number four on your list? Number four on my list. Call me crazy. Caddyshack. Uh, right. it's a classic, classic movie. You can't act like this movie isn't filled with one liners and loaded with humor. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's a hilarious movie and it's way above its time, <laughs> but because it was made during its time, it's a classic movie. Awesome. Yeah, it's another good one. That's one of those that you can put on and just pick it up wherever you find it mm-hmm. on TV, right? And you can just watch it. And even if you watch 20 minutes of it, then that's fine. Your day is 20 minutes better. Nope, exactly. All right. My fourth one here, radio. So um, maybe this isn't a critically acclaimed movie, but... Um, I really enjoy how it's a little bit about sports, but um, it really, I think its message is to, to be more inclusive to people that aren't like you and, uh, to, and that have differences than you. And so really, I think why sports is so special is because it's not just about sports. It goes so far beyond and it can bridge gaps that couldn't be bridged any other way. And so, um, absolute must watch if you haven't seen it. Um, you'll probably cry the first time you watch it. <laughs> I'm sure I probably did. I've probably seen it four or five times. Um, just an excellent movie and, and goes beyond sports. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good movie. And I feel like Cuba Gooding Jr. actually acts very well in that movie. And like oh, you said, it, it just, it just touches on like, you know, like, something that you may overlook like 
that kid, once he was embraced in football and basketball, like he, I mean, he put his heart into being the team manager. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't see that type of, those types of things from the outside perspective. Yep. Definitely. All right. Well, so, next on your list. Going to number three, Friday Night Lights. Uh, you know, everybody basically knows the ending to Friday Night Lights. It's <laughs> it's gut wrenching for that that high school athlete in everybody. It, it gets you amped up. It gets you ready to play football, no matter what the age. Uh, it's a great story, and it truly gives you the high school vibe. I, I turn it on before every single football season <laughs> because just the build up. The, you know, you can feel the heat in some of the scenes of their like two a days and seeing, you know, the bumps and bruises. And, you know, it just gives you a football atmosphere, especially, uh, you know, in Texas. Mm-hmm. So I'll be honest, I've seen the TV show. I haven't seen the movie, so I need to check that out. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, it's a definite, definite must see. It's not one of those things where, you know, every time it's on TV, you necessarily have to watch it. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely for, for me uh, in terms of sports movies. That's why it hits my number three. And uh, once a year, I will watch it. Awesome. All right. My number three, I've got Miracle. Um, little, little hockey in there. Um, I'm not the world's biggest hockey fan. Uh, but who can't get behind Al Michaels asking the question, do you believe in miracles? Man, <laughs> what a finish to the movie um it's it's an excellent story there's some some really great lessons in there there's some there's a little bit of humor there's it's just a really well told story and um even of course the real life story the fact that it's based on a true story is really cool it's one of those things that never should have happened in real life right you'd say oh that would never happen but it did yeah that uh so that's actually my number one Oh, I man, sorry. I we should have talked no, about this beforehand. <laughs> right. No, this it's my number one just because I mean I think in the last month I've actually watched the movie three times. It's filled wow. with a lot of motivational quotes. Um and to me, obviously it's the hands down the best sports movie with the best background story, which is true. Mm-hmm. Is it one of the most iconic sports moments ever? I mean, I would say yes. You're talking about you know, in, in the movie, they talk about how they're going up against the Soviets who are all professional athletes who have played together for 15 years. And then you're talking about a group of not even your best hockey players in the U.S. There are a bunch of 18, 19 year old kids because at the time they didn't even allow professional athletes to compete in Olympic Games. So you're talking about these high school kids who just got together, who have all played for this coach, come together to make a team and, you know, in eight months and go across and end up winning gold medal. Like, it's just, I mean, the, the final scene in the movie, you know, of them beating the Soviets, it, that's not even the gold medal game, but that right. was just the most hyped up sports moment. Cause they were never, they were never supposed to win it. And, you know, coach says it in the, in the locker room, he says, look, nine times out of 10, we would lose this game. And, mm-hmm. you know, basically says tonight is not that day, you know, <laughs> we are going to win. So that's why it's my number one. I mean, I'm, I'm a hockey fan, never played hockey, but it just gets me amped up and want to play hockey. Yeah. If I could do it all over again, start from day one of my life, I really would have liked to have played hockey. 
Um, yeah, no, I agree. You know, kind of an expensive sport to get in. And of course you need a nice rink to play it. So <laughs> it's not like mm-hmm. you could pick up a ball and walk to the, to the local park <laughs> and start playing ice hockey. But um, I did do a little bit of like learn to play and um, skate around. So I'm still, I'm a solid skater, but it would have been cool to play. Yeah, for sure. All right. So what are we um, at? We're at number two here. That sounds right. Since we both uh, upset each other at the number yeah, ones did. already. Well, maybe we <laughs> um, match right. up on our number two here. You go ahead. I don't think we're going to match up here because my right. number two sports movie is Secretariat. Okay. I absolutely love horse racing. <laughs> um, I feel like it's awesome. And Secretariat's the best racing horse ever. Elite athlete. And his, his records aren't going to be broke. Every time I watch that movie, it's a Disney movie, just like Miracle was. And it's just, it's such a well put together film. And if you have not seen it, go watch it. It's phenomenal. Is that Toby Maguire? Is he in that one? No. Uh, or is that a different horse racing movie? That'd be a different. I think there is one with Toby Maguire though, isn't it? Probably is. But that's another one. I'll have to put it on my list. Yeah, no, definitely go watch it. It was uh, made in 2010. And I remember commercials for it. Um, But yeah, we'll see. All right. Um, So for my final one, because we already said my money ball is my number one, but my number two is the movie 42. Um, The story Mm -hmm. of Jackie Robinson. Um, Chadwick Boseman does an absolutely amazing job um, portraying Jackie and everything that he had to go through. And wow, just what a story, you know, because Jackie Robinson played so many other people got the chance to do it. And if it wasn't going to be him, it was going to be somebody else, but, um, just the fact that he was able to be so successful with all the hate circling him and surrounding him. Um, there's some really good moments in the movie about, um, you know, social justice and, you know, making sure like it just teaches you about what things were like. Um, and probably it doesn't even begin to touch on what it was actually like, but, um, really good storytelling and it's an important message as well. No, that is a really good movie. Um, like you said, it's actually like really like disheartening when you watch it and, you know, you kind of get that feel of what life was like for him and he still showed up every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's, I, I don't know how I didn't make my top five, to be honest, now that I'm sitting here looking at it, but I, you know, I also left out, you know, movies like Rocky, Rudy, any given Sunday, mm-hmm. major league varsity blues. I mean, there's a bunch of movies we left out, but I feel like both you and I are looking at it in the perspective of if this movie is on, <laughs> you're going to watch it. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our top five sports movies segment. Hopefully you guys um, picked up something you can watch this weekend. Um, so to wrap up today, we got about, um, 20 minutes left here. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball. So let's preview the AL central a little bit. So, all right. So I I mispronounced this and now I'm like in my head about Uh what this projections are. Uh, what is it? Yep. Okay. So the Pakota, which is, 
Okay. And what they say, it's the player empirical comparison and optimization test al algorithm. <laughs> there you All go. Right, so that's where that's this is where I'm going to get these numbers from. So I'm going to run through them. Zach is more statistically inclined than me. So I'm going to run through these odds to win the division. These are not from FanDuel. Again, this is from Picota. So it has the twins at number one, estimated a 91 and 71 record with a 61% odds to win the division. The Indians, 86 and 76 with a 25% chance. The White Sox, 83 and 79 with a 13% chance. The Royals, 71 and 91 with a 1%. And El Tigres, 67 and 95 with a 0% chance to win their division. So let's go back to the top here, though, Zach. I know you said a couple episodes that the Twins are one of your highlighted teams that you are interested in watching this year. So what is your thoughts on the Minnesota Twins? Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to watch this team. Um, I actually went up to Minnesota for the first time two years ago and saw a game at Target Field. It was really, really cool. Excellent stadium. Um, the fan base up there really does care about baseball. And you, you think of Minnesota as maybe more of a hockey place, but um, they get behind the Twins up there, which is really cool. Um, so the Twins, they've won the division two years in a row. Um, they brought back some guys and also added um, a couple new ones as well. Um, Andrelton Simmons was signed um, and he'll provide some excellent value off the bench or sorry, not off the bench with the glove. Um, he's known for being an elite shortstop um, and he's really the guy there for them now. Um, their offense is going to be explosive. Um, they've got, Josh Donaldson, uh, who else? Max Kepler, Nelson Cruz, Miguel Sano. So there's a lot of risk reward in their offense. I think they're they're either gonna score ten runs or maybe they'll they'll get one or two um, and strike out seventeen times. Who knows? Um, what do you think about their offense? I am I'm really excited, and it, Byron Buxton's still there, correct? Yep. So Byron Buxton is so electric to watch. He falls in that, uh, you know, that a category of like a bias and he's just, he's very fun to watch Josh Donaldson. Obviously, you know, the power between them. I, I mean, I agree with you in right now in my FanDuel bet slip, I actually have the twins to win this division. Um, I think the white Sox will push them for it, but mm -hmm. the twins did a lot uh, looking at their pitchers last year. Didn't Kenta Maeda, didn't he have a, pretty solid season for it being you know a COVID season but didn't he yeah. put up some pretty good numbers for them yeah I don't have it pulled up I just have the projections pulled up but he did pitch really well um and let me go down to projections here actually I'm gonna all right he's supposed to be second um in okay. in value for them um I'm gonna stall for a second while I plug in my computer um, you can either jump down to the Indians or if you got any more thoughts on the twins, go for it. Uh, uh just adding to it, like Miguel, Miguel Sanyo, yeah, just a built athlete that reminds you of Prince Fielder. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, this team could be, I mean, what's, what's the twins best ever record? Could they potentially, that's a good question. Um, if if it was really low, then probably I don't think this is going to be a hundred win team. 
Um, I don't know that the Twins have ever gotten 100 wins. I would imagine probably at some point. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Sano. He's projected to hit 35 home runs this year, barring injury. Um, I hope he does it. He's he's battled injury um, quite a bit, and so it would be good to see him really take off and play to his full potential because he's, I think, 28, 29 years old. Nope, he's only 27. So he'll turn 28 um, just after opening day. Um, so he should be entering the prime of his career. Hopefully he can stay healthy um, and, and have a lot of success for them. So in 1965, they had 102 wins. And then in 2019, they had 101. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Man, I think that, that's, <laughs> that, that's a number, though, that like 103 is not severely like not doable for this team. I feel I like they got to play really well. Everything's got to come together for them, and they'll probably need to add um, another pitcher. Uh, I Trevor would, Bauer. I would think. Well, Trevor Bauer went to the Dodgers. Did you miss <laughs> oh, that did he? news? Yeah, I he did. Signed. I did he miss the Dodgers. That. Well, look at them go. <laughs> look at them their... go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's slide over to the Cleveland future, not Indians. Yes, the Cleveland baseball team, right? <laughs> All right, Cleveland, uh, according to Pakota, is projected to win eighty-six games. Um, to be honest, I think that's maybe a little generous um but they have a few names there of course they traded francisco lindor uh to new york to play with the mets um and we'll see they're kind of in a retooling time um they still have jose ramirez i have doubts about how well he'll um, keep holding up and how well he'll produce um, fan graphs actually projects him to have 5.6 wins above replacement. Um, he's a plus fielder and, you know, he's projected to hit 30 home runs. If he can do that. Awesome. Um, but he's really going to have to produce for them if they're going to have success because their offense doesn't really have a lot of big names. Um, you got Nolan Jones, Eddie Rosario, Ahmed Rosario, those are three names you guys maybe have never even heard of, right? If you're not a <laughs> Cleveland Indians fan, those aren't guys that are on the national stage. So um, they did get Andres Jimenez from the Mets in that trade for, for Lindor, I believe. And so he's, I think, going to play a lot of shortstop for them. Uh, he's an infielder, so I don't know if they'll put him at second or short. But um, that'll be interesting. They've got some guys, but... I think it's going to be really top, tough to top the Twins and the White Sox with this lineup. After the Lindor trade, I kind of wrote the Indians off to where I could, I don't want to say care less, but I'm not really going to keep up with them because I don't think that they'll be highly relevant. Mm-hmm. I think their 86-win projection is actually higher than what I would guess. Um, I would probably, again, I'd slide the White Sox ahead of them. And like you said, I don't think that they're going to be able to hold up against, you know, your twins and your White Sox. Right. And so um, one thing to watch a storyline for them, if they don't have the start that they're hoping for, um, I think Shane Bieber is probably going to be on the move. He's their ace starting pitcher um, projected for over five wins in, in 
wins above replacement by fan graphs. Um, I think he's one of the best pitchers in the bigs and I'm excited to see him produce, um, but hopefully he can carry his team because he only pitches once <laughs> every five days. So, you know, he can only do so much. Yeah. Um, I really, you know, I, again, I don't think that they're going to be better than the White Sox, although they are projected. So let's slide right over to the White Sox. Um, I think this team is, was on the rise and now they are, are rising even further. Uh, you know, you have, I mean, is this, they still have Tim Anderson, right? Yep. Just confirming. Okay. Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu. This team is kind of that team that's been retooling for a while and they are finally retooled. Mm-hmm. You know, um, fan graphs and Picota are both a little down on the White Sox and, you know, maybe, maybe their names will outweigh their production, but they do have some really fun names. I really think it's going to be an exciting team to watch. And I feel like they've got the personality of a team that's going to make some noise. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of, a lot of teams in a lot of markets that are just kind of, you know, vanilla. Um, the White Sox are anything but that, right? They've got one of the best catchers in the bigs with Yasmani Grandal, um, Luis Robert in the outfield, Yuan Moncada. He's he struggled at times in his career. Um, maybe there's enough around him now that you know it can be a little bit of you know the whole is greater than some of its parts here. He can benefit from the guys around him, um, and and stop striking out looking so many times. <laughs> Um, I feel like Moncada though, he had, he had it against him from the beginning. Like he was almost looked at as like the savior, the, the mm-hmm. next biggest thing where he had a lot of hype to his name before he even reached the majors. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a slightly above average defender. You know, he's going to hit 25 bombs or so. And, you know, he gets on base enough. He just got to get the strikeout rate down a little bit. He's projected to lead the team in strikeouts with 183, <laughs> which is not exactly what you're hoping for out of somebody um, that's going to play every day. But um, what's uh, we'll what, what, what do they have? have? What do they have for Eloy Jimenez projected stats? All right, so he's supposed to his slash line 285 for average, 328 for on base percentage, 543 for slugging. Um, projected 30 doubles, 34 home runs, 106 RBIs. Um, oh, man. 136 strikeouts and they've got his fielding as a negative seven runs. So costing the team almost not quite a win, but, but almost. Um, so, you know, not the greatest defender out there, you know, as a young player, you'd hope he would increase his defensive ability. Maybe he hasn't had a lot of time to, to work on that. That's a hard thing to work on when you're not playing games, uh, just being able to react to the ball off the bat and things like that. But, um yeah he he's definitely going to be one of those guys that you see on mlb tonight and you know espn on a recap i I think he's i think he's super fun to watch uh he'll be a name that that is definitely out and around this season for sure and jose abreu is there um adam eaton another another veteran um yeah so i really hope what's it even called now u.s cellular guaranteed rate field guaranteed rate guaranteed yeah. rate um i really hope they're letting fans in this season at least at some point um mm-hmm. you know 
ticket prices are maybe a little higher. I usually use like SeatGeek or something like that. You can get like $6 tickets for the White Sox on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. I would love to yeah, do that my, a couple times this year. Yeah, my wife Shelby and I, we went and watched uh, that really good Orioles team come in and play. Uh, okay. You know, five, $5, $5 tickets. It was, it was awesome. Um, moving on to our next team, the Kansas city Royals. Uh, what they got the recent news of, uh, Ben attendee. Is that how you say his last name? Yep. Andy ben attendee name. from the Red Sox. That's what is that about? The, the most recent news that we can have for this team. Like I said before, they're, they're estimated 1% chance at their division, a uh, 71 wins and 91 losses. Yeah, like you said, 71 wins. That's probably right about right. About right. Um, I don't think Benintendi is going to move the needle that much. I don't know if he's factored into that um, win total. Maybe he adds a win or two to them. But, um, yeah, well, they've got Whit Merrifield um, mm-hmm. and Salvador Perez, Alberto Mondesi, Jorge Soler, and then they've got Benintendi on here, Carlos Santana, a couple guys with – with names um mm-hmm. nobody really elite nobody jumps off the page when you're looking at this roster with these projections you know maybe Soler does but maybe his defense costs you a little bit Salvador Perez he's been an excellent backstop for them for a long time hopefully he can stay healthy and produce at the plate um but he's a guy that you know he's going to hit some home runs he's going to hit some base hits but he's not going to walk very often. He'll kind of swing at bad pitches. Um, he's projected just a 294 on base percentage. So if you don't, if you don't mind, can you uh, read off what Jorge Soler's stats are going to be? Because I believe him and Eloy Jimenez are essentially the same player. So um, Fangraphs doesn't love Soler as much as as uh, Eloy Jimenez. An average of 246 on base, 342 slugging, 495. Um, so still solid. Um, mm-hmm. They're saying 30 home runs, 80 RBIs. You know, RBI is also a function of how well your team does too, because people have to get on base before you can drive them in. Um, right. And he's going to project to strike out um, 158 times. So, you know, both of those estimated are actually like in my mind when I'm thinking about them are pretty spot on to what I think would happen as well. It's amazing how good they are at, at projecting these things, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't. Do you have any more things to say about uh, the Royals? Let's just let's check out. Yeah, not much. Not much on their pitching staff either. <laughs> um, Mike Miner is the headliner there, and if he's your headliner, your pitching staff probably isn't going to be in the top half of the league. So. That's what surprised me about the uh, the Benintendi news. I, I the Royals are essentially, you know, just kind of there right now, and you know they try to like make a quote big name splash, and it's not really going to affect your team too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I, it's kind of hard to see where are they at in their in their cycle, right? We we kind of think of teams as having different cycles. Um, mm-hmm you know, you're kind of ramping up towards that championship or you're kind of tearing down for a rebuild. And so, you know, the Ben Benintendi move, what's, what is that move for, right? Is it to try to win a couple extra games this year or is that something that we're trying to 
to get in the future. You know, is, is he going to be here for, for the next six years? I don't know what his contract looks like. Um, but they're ranked 13th. The Royals are in, in farm system. So they got a couple guys that could potentially break out um, according to prospects, 1500.com um, from top to bottom. They have a top 15 farm system with some breakout candidates that could place them into the top 10 by next year. So um, you kind of think they're not going to compete this year in the division. You know, I think Whit Merrifield's contract expires at the end of this year. Um, will they bring him back? Eh, maybe, but maybe it's time for the next generation Royals to come through. Yeah, that's what, that's what it's looking like. Um, you know, the Royals are in the same situation as the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> um, 67 wins, 95 loss projection, and a 0% chance of, uh, or a, a not chance, 0% projection of winning their division. Um, yeah, there's not much to say about Detroit other than all of their sports teams other than <laughs> UM are not doing hot. Hey, even UM so. isn't doing so hot at the moment. <laughs> All right. Tigers. Yeah, COVID. Um, so they're ranked as the fifth farm system in baseball. Um, I think the advantage for them over the Royals is that they've got Spencer Torkelson. Um, he was the number one pick from last season um, in the draft. So we won't see him quite yet, but, it's a really promising uh, group of young players uh, this year. Like we talked about the projection isn't for them to, to blow anybody out of the water. They're going to try to struggle, scrape through, maybe battle for fourth place. Um, some of the guys that headline their team, Jamer Candelario, um, former Cubs, great. Well, I don't know about great, but former Cubs farmhand, Jamer Candelario, uh, Willie Castro, Jonathan Scope, Jake Rogers, CJ Crone. Um, they got some interesting players, some interesting names. We'll see. You know, this is probably a year for them to figure out who's going to be here the next time we make our run, right? This is kind of like time to prove yourself. Whoever you are, if you're going to be worth keeping around, um, play well this year and show us how projectable you are. Because if they don't, you know, these guys that are on the big league roster right now are probably going to either just let their contracts expire or use as maybe trade bait and trying to bring in um, some more talent. So. Yeah, really, really all I see when I look down this roster is, is youth and speed, yep. which that can, that can win you a game by itself. You know, baseball is one of those awesome sports where the best team can go down to the worst, go down to the worst team, any night so I, I you know you can't definitely put your money down that they're going to win the division but they're not <laughs> a team that you can just slump over right yeah um some interesting pitchers too casey mize first round pick from a couple of years ago um is supposed to make projected to make about 22 starts um two-thirds or so of a full season um, matthew boyd is their top projected starting pitcher matthew manning so these are a lot of young guys that, and they've got Michael Fulmer who's been around and he's had some really good seasons. Um, so like we talked about, they're not likely to make much noise, but they might be an interesting team to watch to see 
to see where they'll head from here. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Awesome. So let's wrap up the episode with a little uh, betting on a budget. What's your so, first pick? I I cannot even give you. I can give you four teams. You can split them, parlay them, do what you need to do. This is all I really have for our budget betting because I don't like any of the slates <laughs> that are for tomorrow. So I'm going to give you these four teams, and you can, again, split them, parlay them, do what you need to do. I like Akron over NIU, Oklahoma State over Iowa State, Toledo over Miami, Ohio, and St. Louis over LaSalle. Those are, again, those are the four games that I can look at for tomorrow in any sports and feel confident in uh, picking the winner of them. All right, cool. Well, I'll give you a couple NBA picks for you. Um, I've got uh, Boston to cover the spread um, at home against Denver um, battle of a couple pretty good teams, but um, I, I, I like Boston. They, they play tough. Um, yeah. I think they can handle it. Um, I've got um, Brooklyn to go into Phoenix and uh, go ahead and take care of business there. Um, and then my last one, I'm picking Toronto over Milwaukee. So um, the Raps are an interesting team, certainly not where they were a couple of years ago, but they're playing hard. They're playing well. Um, and I think they'll go take down the Bucks. Yeah. Um, I think I went back and listened to our, our recent episode and mm -hmm. I think our game got postponed for our mortgage bet that I always yep. throw down. It so did. we, uh, we remain two and oh, <laughs> so the mortgage bet is going to be my St. Louis over LaSalle. Uh, the line will be somewhere around the 9.5 range. Um, again, when you're betting, when you're betting the mortgage, I always say bet the money line. I will probably touch into that St. Louis uh, minus nine and a half. They're at home. St. Louis is a really good team. They remind me of a Drake, a Creighton. They're a really fun team to watch. I think they'll win by over 10 points, but again, the mortgage hit that money line. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us tonight on tools of ignorance. Dylan and I will be back later this week. Um, it's game day Thursday. So we'll maybe have to release something on uh, Wednesday or Friday or something like that, or Saturday, whenever we get some time, um, we'll get you a second episode this week. So have a great week. Hopefully you enjoyed your Valentine's day. Dylan sign us off. Hey, make it a good week and uh, be productive with the old budget, budget, budget betting on a budget. <laughs> All right. See you later, everybody.